golf, and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway Don't want no hackers to get in my way The boys and me got a big NASA going It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Your host, Holly G, along with my esteemed co-host, Caddy, right-hand stats guru on the PGA Tour, Jeff Shane. You're building me up again, aren't you? Absolutely. (laughs) You're writing for so many people now, including the Inside Take our Golf Insiders blog, uh, our e-newsletter, and the Orlando Sentinel. Golf clap, yes. He's back. He's back writing for the Sentinel. It uh, only took 10 years. So great to have you back in Orlando. And um, what a St. Paddy's Day it was, Jeff. You and I up there overlooking the island green, beautiful (laughs) TPC sawgrass. I couldn't be more happy. My Irish eyes still smiling. Rory McIlroy, the player's champion. I'm just happy that Rory finally decided to cooperate with me and and make me right in saying that he was going to win in Florida because he's not committed to Tampa this week. So I was literally running out of days. But an outstanding performance, great bounce back from some early struggles. And you could see on the back nine, his confidence, his swagger, had come back. He was not afraid to rip driver on some very intimidating holes. And uh, it was a log jam. Uh, we, we talked about, you know, how many players are going to get into this playoff and where they have to go in groups. Rory McIlroy and, and also Jim Furyk, you know, kind of took the bull by the horns and we were able to avoid all of that mess. The hometown guy, Jim Furyk. Uh, there were a lot of people rooting for him. Um, so many great storylines, as always happens in these big championships. Absolutely. And, and that's part of the beauty of the Players' Championship is that there is no favored style player. We have seen guys like Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson win as bombers. We've seen Fred Funk win as the shortest guy in the field. And you kind of feel bad for Jim Furyk. He's got three runner-up finishes in the Players' Championship, one of the straightest hitters there is, uh, put together a great round of uh, 66 uh, yesterday to put himself in position, and it took you know a future Hall of Famer to beat him. And uh, what a what a you know down the pike 16, 17, and then striping it, Jim on 18. Those steely eyes, I. It sort of reminded me of Raymond Floyd chasing down a chasing down an iron shot as he stuck it about what eighteen inches um, to just fall short of of the championship on eighteen. Yeah, I mean fifteen under 
coming out of that pack and in those conditions and and everything kind of turned on the weekend as we predicted the high was 60 and it, it was a comfortable 60 on Saturday it was a very uncomfortable 59 on Sunday and, uh, and and Jim took advantage of it he knows the course better than anybody but also we talked we talked about he uh, doesn't see it in these conditions uh, because of the stands and growing the rough and and all of that but uh, a lot of the uh, old memories kicked in and when he hit a great tee shot on 18 he said it afterward he said when I that tee shot went where I wanted it to be I knew that I had the iron to take care of the approach shot and give myself a birdie chance. Well, things look like they were going in reverse for Rory early in the round as he took a double bogey, an ugly double bogey with a water ball on the fourth hole. And it looked like this could be another one of those Sundays, Jeff. Yeah, it did. And and the stat has been out there. We've talked about it uh, the last nine times he's been in the final group. He has uh, been unable to take the trophy home uh, this time, you know, for better or for worse, and maybe maybe there's something to moving back one tee time. I don't know. But uh, this time, he his disaster happened early enough to where he was able to get his head around it, was able to recover, get his even keel, and then when he got to the back nine again, uh, it just looked like he had... Uh, he, he was. He doesn't like to use the word confidence. He likes to say he's comfortable. He was really comfortable on that back nine <laughs> amidst everything going on at Sawgrass. Yeah, coming off uh, the the birdie on number nine, you could see he sort of had that you know that little pep in his step. He said in the presser that uh, he looked. He thought back to Crooked Stick in 2012, the BMW Championship, where there were a lot of guys around the lead, and that he had made a really good run on the back nine and was able to pull it pull off the win uh he said he didn't know why it popped into his head but he said those are the experience that are so helpful to draw on yeah and and tiger says that a lot too i've been in this position before i know how to win i i know how to to deal with this kind of pressure and it takes those type of experiences those type of of victories whether it's a playoff event or a major championship uh, or now the Players' Championship, Rory's going to be able to draw on this in the future and say, I, I've, I've handled the back nine at Sawgrass. Pete Dye has nothing on me. And, and by the way, he's won three big events on Pete Dye courses. Crooked Stick, as you just mentioned, at the BMW, this uh, event uh, at, at the stadium course, and he also won the 2012 PGA Championship at the Ocean Course at Kiowa. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, Holly G and Jeff Shane, wrapping up the Players' Championship. Paul McGinley, now a Sky Golf commentator over in Europe and the past Ryder Cup captain, said this about Rory. When he got a sniff, he pulled away from the other guys. That's what winners do. And that's what we've been missing from him. Rory's gift is he has another gear. That's what we haven't seen Today we saw the window of that gear. Yeah, we 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 definitely did. We've seen it before. He was fantastic in 2012 uh, in winning a couple of majors. He did it again in 2014, where uh, he he again just kind of dominated, came out of the pack. Uh, even in winning the the FedEx Cup a couple of years ago, it, it wasn't the greatest season. But in in these small snippets of a month, six weeks, he can be a guy that uh, really is is uh 
is is hard for anybody to beat and and I think he may be entering that now let's let's hear from him as he talks about being able to close and some of his issues in the last year and a half or obviously there's been a lot of discussion about chances the past few months final rounds and all that how much did that weigh on you had it weighed on you or was it an annoyance and how much of a relief is this to do it this way yeah um I guess I've I've been good. I've been disciplined this year and not reading a lot of stuff about myself. So that has helped because I haven't read any of the negativity or anything that and obviously I know that it's going to happen because of who I am and, and what I've done in the past and whatever. But I really have left each tournament, you know, happy, you know, OK, Kapalu, I had a chance, but, you know, Xander shoots 11 under and, you know, Mexico DJ does what he does. L.A., not burning 17 and then bogey in the last, that was a little bit painful. But I have to, you know, when you when you reflect on the week, you have to reflect on the 72 holes and not just the last two holes you played. And every time I reflected on the 72 I've played, I've been pretty happy. You know, I've done everything I've wanted to do. I looked at my stats at the end of every week. I'm leading Strowski and Tita Green. I'm, I'm putting well. I'm, I'm, I'm around the greens is good. You know, everything was in a really good place. And that's why... I was just preaching patience and it was just a matter of time and easier said than done, obviously. But, you know, I think having that attitude let me go out there this week after the disappointment at Bay Hill on Sunday. And I said, you know, that's the great thing about golf. You you can get straight back on the horse and you can you have another opportunity that the very next week. And not a lot of sports or sports people have that luxury. So I just wanted to take advantage of it. I know I'm playing well. No, I'm shooting the scores. I'm hitting the shots. It's just a matter of doing it for 72 holes. <clears throat> this consistent spell of your career is very, very different to when you were younger. There was kind of epic peaks and troughs at times. Now it's far, far more consistent. Do you know why that is? Is it just maturity? Is it your personality? What's the change? Yeah, I think it's a lot of things. It's, I think, maturity. I think it's it's been a um, having a focus over the last six or seven months on my attitude. Um, especially my attitude to golf and not letting golf define who I am as a person, trying to keep the two things very separate. One thing that I used to do in the past is I, I'd i let what I shot that day influence who I was or my mood or my... And to try and keep those two things very separate is, is something I've worked hard on because who I am as a person isn't who I am as a golfer. It took me a while to get to that point where I realized who those two people were. So that that has been a big thing. Um, and I think that's been the big difference between the highs and lows of of, of the last few years and, and, and the, the more consistent play, even over the last 12 months. You know, I've had two wins in the last 12 months, but even the, the play in between that has been pretty good. Top fives, top tens, you know, giving myself a chance most weeks. So, Jeff, he talked almost in every interview about his new attitude for consistent play. And I think you could see that before we came on air, we were talking about his demeanor, even coming off the 18th green. Really kind of, it seems, control, controlling. I don't know if that's the right word. but Controlled. M- controlled. And, and managing where he, you know, he'd have kind of those big ups and downs, you know, emotionally out on the golf course. Yeah. Uh, and we really saw him gather it on the front nine and then kick it into gear on the back nine. This, I, I think we've we've started, when, I think we are now seeing the results. I think it started last year. 
of Rory McIlroy transitioning from extremely talented boy wonder to Rory McIlroy, consistent top five in the world player who can win at any time and isn't going to get in his own way, at least from an emotional and strategic standpoint. Well, let the hype begin because with this new mindset and the game he's on track with right now, we know he's going to be numero uno in the betting department around the corner for the Masters. Absolutely, and uh, I, and, and honestly, he's it's deserved. Uh, I don't think that there is anybody uh, except perhaps Dustin Johnson that stands head and shoulders above everybody else right now. And that doesn't mean that, that they are, you know, head, shoulders, neck, you know, torso ahead of the other guys. But those have been the two most consistent players thus far in 2019. You're listening to the Golf Insiders 96.9 The Game, our Players' Championship wrap-up show. We'll be right back. Stay with us. impact actually uh when he shank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head i can't believe i'm into this i really hate to lose asking forgiveness got the struggler's blues practicing for hours my hands are feeling raw from the tea box to the drop box i hope nobody saw Trying to find the magic, work my fingers to the bone. I need some inspiration, wish I wasn't so alone. It's awfully important, it's such a big deal. Just to make a birdie, man, I beg, borrow, steal. If you've never been there, you don't know how I feel. I see its shadow all around me, and there's nothing I can do. It's the ultimate embarrassment, it's the... Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at The Golf Insiders and on Instagram, Golf Insiders Radio. And by the way, especially follow us as we kind of go through the basketball schedule now that the uh, UCF is in the big dance and the Magic have another dozen games or so. depending on playoffs to go in the season. Um, you might want to uh, follow us a little bit more often because we're going to bounce around until we can settle into our usual Wednesday time slot sometime next month. Exactly. So, again, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the Golf Insiders and on Instagram, Golf Insiders Radio. Well, uh, there's one guy we wanted to check back in with uh, for today's wrap-up show because as we've said before, he's sort of the god around the media center at the Players' Championship. 33 Players' Championships. I remember that from last week. The one, the only, from the Florida Times Union, Gary Smits. Hello, Gary. Hey, how you doing? We're doing well. Um, hey, and even though I picked Tommy Fleetwood, Tommy, pour me a black and tan Fleetwood, as I like to refer to him, uh, my Irish eyes were smiling that Rory closed the deal. Yeah, 
uh, he did, and he, uh, I, I, I'm never one of these people who will tell you I thought something was going to happen, and then, you know, come back later and uh, or, or or see that something happened and say retroactively, yeah, I thought that was going to happen. I, that, that's 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 always been an annoying little trait I find in other people, <laughs> but I, I, I kept as things got so crazy. And the lead changed hands so many times. Eight players had a share of the lead at one time or another. I, I, I thought that I thought that Rory had something in him Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. How well he played, especially on Saturday, with how well he kept everything together. Even though he wasn't driving the ball well, he only had four fairways on Saturday. And when he kind of cut the interview short and went to the range to 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 catch the last remaining uh, bits of daylight. Uh, I, I thought, you know, I, I think he's pretty doggone serious about this. And we were also talking about the time in 2011 when Rory and Lee Westwood shared the same age and Chubby Chandler, and there was a little bit of a power play working between Chubby and the, and the, and the PGA Tour. Yeah, I remember that. And, and you know, they, they, not everybody in Europe was, was in love with the May date with the players. They thought it uh, interfered with their BMW championship and uh, uh, and some other events. So he convinced Lee and Rory to to not compete in the Players Championship that year. And the following year, when Rory came back, he was asked about that, and he realized how much he he missed that kind of competition. And and you know, because truly, it's got the best field of of any tournament, including any of the majors. And Rory made the comment as it was not my brightest moment to to skip this tournament. And he went on to rattle off three top tens in a row, and uh, he's he's always liked this tournament since. Uh, the the miscut last year was a little bit of a blip on the radar, and uh, and he's Rory is kind of unique among uh, Europeans in, in how well he plays Pete Dock courses. He's got a little bit of a trifecta, if you will. He's won a major on a Pete Dock course, the PGA in 2012 at Keough Island. He's won a FedEx Cup playoff on a Pete Dock course the BMW Championship of 2012 at Crooked Stick, and now he's won the players at P. Dodge's most famous course. Uh, so, uh, uh, it, it, And it's pretty rare that a European guy, these guys are used to playing the ball on the ground, a lot of bump and run shots, uh, are able to you know play this well on a course that requires so many forced carries, but he, he, he really, really likes it. And one of his last comments he made in an interview last year, he really appreciated the PGA Tour moving this event back to March. Yeah, Gary, you know, another revealing comment he made in the presser, I thought, that, that makes me believe that, you know, Rory is a very visual player. He was saying how uh, when the tournament moved to May that it was sort of hit and hope was his quote, and that now being back in March that it really showcased the players' skills, really made them, you know, hit a lot of different shots. He also mentioned the definition in terms of, you know, the greener grass. And, uh, you know, it was very interesting to to listen to him talk about how visually the course just uh, was, I think, easier for him to, to Kinda play. Kind of locked him in. Yeah. Yeah. One of, the, one of the arguments that players had when they first built this course was there wasn't a whole lot to turn the ball on. They like to pick out landmarks. Or dog legs, fairway bunkers, tree, whatever you have, you and and pick that spot and then and then draw the ball off of that spot. And there 
that many opportunities when it was first built. Now they 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 put in a fairway bunker here and there, most notably at number seven. They put in those those three fairway bunkers, uh, and their spades. So if a guy wants to aim for the furthest one out with a driver, he can. If he wants to aim for the middle one with a three wood, he can, you know, so forth. Uh, and in in May, especially if it had been a warm spring around here. The, the, the grass was fine. The grass was actually lush, but there were some brown spots out there. And sometimes the fairway would kind of, and, and the rough, it, was, it wasn't discernible where the rough started from back on the tee. And it, it's a difficult course. There's a lot of angles. Uh, I think anybody who's ever played it or even watched it has stood on the 15th tee. I'll give you an example, 15th tee. It's really tough to know where to aim out there. And there's areas in the fifth hole is another example off to the left, you think there's no fairway, but there's a lot of fairway. Or you think that there's you got enough room, but the fairway runs off real quick. There'll be a steep uh, runoff area. Uh, so that was one of the arguments initially when the course was built. It was also one of the arguments about May because, again, the, 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 you couldn't tell where the fairway stopped and, and, the, and the rough started. Well, when, when you've got... Uh, grass is green and the rough is a little bit deeper of a green it's easier to see than shades of brown or yellow so rory was was very perceptive in that and i think this also showed some of his comments and the way he played this rory is one of the smartest golfers out there uh yeah. and he's also one of the smartest most perceptive players in any subject and it's kind of unusual because rory didn't have much of a formal education you know he 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 had the european equivalent of high school uh, he actually signed to play golf. Not very many people remember this. He signed to play golf with East, East Tennessee State. Uh, some of the smaller <laughs> Division One schools have these scouting services that recruit uh, kids in Europe. It, it's, it's how JU got found. Jacksonville University found Russell Knox, for example. Right. And uh, uh, but Rory wisely turned pro after that one British uh, Open where he plays so well as name. But Rory, for, for somebody who's never set foot in a college classroom, he is one sharp cookie, both on and off the course. And uh, uh, it's, it's entertaining. Any press conference he's in is entertaining. And Rory is starting to feel like a veteran out there. He had some very pointed comments on Saturday about slow play. He will tell you, you know, and he flat out said, there's slow play out there because the tour won't do anything about it. And he's kind of feeling his oats, so to speak, as he as he wins more tournaments. And uh, by the way, this one gives him 15 victories and four majors before the age of 30. The only other two guys to do that are guys named Nicholas and Woods. Another comment he made uh, to to your point, uh, Gary, in the press room was, you know, somebody was asking him about, you know, the work he's been doing with Brad Faxon and his putting, and he. It was interesting. His comment was, you know, it's not like we're really spending a lot of time out on the putting green. A lot of our, uh, you know, conversations happen over, you know, coffee or, uh, you know, grabbing lunch. And you really do get this sense that he just is a sponge for the knowledge that um, guys like Faxon, you know, he went to Nicholas early on and picked his brain, particularly about the Masters. Uh, you know, this this guy's... Uh, Got some deep thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you get the impression that this is going to be somebody you know as as he his career winds on, and even when he's past his career, when he has gotten that elder statesman status like a Jack Nicholas, that he'll be a favorite uh, uh, subject for writers. You know, thirty years from now, 
yeah. 40 years from now uh, who will, you know, rely on him just like we rely on Jack Nicholas to, uh, you know, ex- kind of expound on the issues of the day, and he'll and he'll be every bit as uh, adept and sharp about it as as uh, Jack is, or that Arnold was a guy like Gary Player. I think I think Rory's going to be one of those guys, like I said, on and off the course. He's he's a real credit to this game. He's uh, got impeccable manners. He uh, you know he's a superstar, so he doesn't have enough time in the world for everybody. Uh, but when he, you know, is able to give the time, he, he, he it pays. Let's put it this way: it pays to listen to Rory because he's going to have something interesting to say every time. Agree. Speaking of somebody that's uh, given so much to the game, who we know you know very well and have covered him a long time, uh, give us your reactions to Jim Furyk's play and uh, you know just what a bulldog he was coming down the stretch and very emotional yeah. at the end. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know he. He's always said that he never felt completely comfortable on this golf course. That again, the angles kind of didn't set up well to his eye. And and uh, after uh, the uh, second round, when he got into contention, we were talking after his regular interview uh, outside the media center about four or five of us. And he said, you know, he said, if you don't like a course, usually your answer to that is you don't play it. Some guys don't like Hilton Head. Some guys don't like Pebble. You know, some guys don't like, uh, you know, uh, Colonial. But he said, we don't have that option with this tournament. We have to play this tournament. And that, that, that indicated his, his loyalty to the PGA Tour brand and, and to this event. As is, This is the PGA Tour's major championship. Whether people want to call it that or not, you know, the PGA Tour doesn't operate or run any of the other four accepted majors. This is their tournament. I've always felt like, you know, since the PGA Tour is supplying the the vast majority of the inventory in, in, in the way of fields to the other tournaments, that they should get to have a tournament that, you know, that, that they can call a major. And But that's, that's an, you know, usually a topic for another time. But getting back to Jim Furyk is that he really wanted to play well. Now, he, he kind of complains about how he it doesn't fit his eye, but yesterday was his fifth top five finish in his tournament. You know, he, he's, they're sprinkled around 23 years, so it's not like he's been a steady contender every single year. It's also the second time since 2014 that he sat in the clubhouse with the lead and had had a European Ryder Cup member snatch it away from him. Uh, Martin Conver did it to him in 2014. Uh, but, you know, at, at his age, you don't know how many of these kind of tournaments you have left in you. And, you know, it, it, I think he saw what Fred Funk what it meant to Fred Funk to win this in 2005 at the age of 48. You know, Jim, I think by a few days, would have been older than Fred when he uh, won this. And Jim's family is here. He's got a foundation here. He's Him and his wife, Tabitha, had devoted a lot of money and, and time and resources to charity. And uh, I, I think it just would have been a, a crowning moment for him. I think it would have solidified his uh, his Hall of Fame induction. In a couple of years, that would have given him 18 uh, victories. He's got a major, the 2003 U.S. Open, and the players. Uh, he still may, he still may get that because he's got a record similar to some a lot of the guys who have gone in. But yeah, the emotion was 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 clearly there, and uh, uh, and I know he would have wanted to win one for fluff. Yeah. You know, his his caddy Mike Cowan. Uh, there's a real deep emotional attachment there. 
All right, Gary, and, thanks. Um, we got to run. Yeah, we appreciate your time. It was, it, was, it was tremendous to see that. It was just an amazing finish. One of the best players ever. Gary Smith from the Florida Times Union. Jeff, we could probably spend five hours talking with him and uh, wrapping up this Players' Championship. But we've got great news. We're going to be on Thursday night, 6.30 to 7.30. More players wrap up, and we will be uh, also previewing the Valspar, which is over in Tampa Bay. In so The Snake Pit. We've got more golf in the Sunshine State coming up. The Golf Insiders. Check us out online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Hit them straight. We'll be back Thursday, 6.30. Bye-bye.